Welcome to the Who Is God podcast. My guest today is Matt Anderson. Matt, thanks for joining us. Um, a little bit of this is is kind of a, a continuation of my journey of five years ago, uh, reading through the Bible with just a simple question, not about any religious aspects or, or theology or studying character or leadership or you know any of that, um, just with the simple question of who is God. Um, and the, the purpose of, of starting to get a picture and understanding of who God is. And so that's a lot of what this is. Okay. Um, uh, you're here because you've encountered God. Uh, several times. You've, you've experienced. Um, and so part of that is um, I, I, I haven't, we haven't talked about this, so this is going to be kind of crazy for me. Um, I don't have a roadmap of where I think we're going. Yeah. Um, but we're just going to go out that and... and Overall, my perspective is going to be I want to I want to learn more about who God is. But in the meantime, um, we want to hear your story. Sure. We want to hear how it impacted you, what mattered, um, and some of that kind of stuff. So, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Well, buckle up. Get All your right. seatbelt on. Pull Here the bar go. down over. Make sure it's snug. There you go. And uh, we'll go up the climb of this uh, great roller coaster adventure. All right. So, ready to go. Well, Matt, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, this time that you're kind of formulating in your head. Tell us about, you know, who were some of the people that were that were around your life and, and you know, how old were you, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, you know, uh, being an older person, uh, when you kind of look back over your shoulder, you know, during the time that I was going through... Uh, these different, I will call them God-type events. I really didn't realize they were a God-type event until many, many years later. So really my my first experience, uh, somewhat humorous, if you will. Um, so for, first of all, I, I grew up in a small wood, uh, Midwestern town. Uh, we, uh, Our family went to church every Sunday, grew up Methodist. And uh, uh, my parents uh, taught Sunday school. My dad was a lay preacher. He'd fill in. And uh, so we went to church, right? And uh, but I didn't know anything really about God per se. Didn't really have a personal relationship. And I, I remember some neighbors uh, of ours. Uh, they were different. Uh, they really talked about God openly. And my kind of really my first uh, exposure to evangelism. So so let me pause you there. Yeah. So your dad's a minister. Well, no. So he, my my dad substitutes. So he he's a blue collar worker. Okay. And uh, he would substitute frequently and and minister the uh, the Methodist Church. Uh, we had one pastor that went between four churches. Okay. And so like every fourth Sunday, he would actually be on the pulpit. Right. So in the meantime, your dad would have to fill in and. Yeah, and Do then when they weren't days. doing that, then you know, mom was doing Sunday school, and okay, and so you know, very, very involved, you know, uh, church on Sunday and Wednesday, that that type of thing. Okay, yeah. and yet you still seem to hear more about God from the neighbors. Is that what I heard you say? Well, my first true exposure about hearing about God and Jesus Christ outside of the four walls of the church, and I really didn't realize the impact that this family had on me till probably decades later. Okay. It's just the way they carried themselves. So you are you were how old around this time? Uh, nine or ten. Nine or ten. Okay, yeah. so a young boy. And are you are you an only child? No. So oldest of four. I have uh, two younger sisters and a younger brother. 
Okay. And so, yeah, that makes me the oldest. I was the experiment, you know. That's uh, the old Dr. Spock, you know, where they uh, they tried everything else out on me, and by the time they got down to child number four, they got away with everything. Right. So, uh, but the the kids, uh, the the, the uh, I'll use their last name, just the Fisher family, and uh, it was it was really incredible. And uh, uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me, I can I can still remember it to this day. Um, one of the they had one boy and three girls, and uh, we had music or you know a music concert, and uh, this this boy sang and he sounded like an angel. Now, if you can imagine, you know when you go to most elementary school programs, you know everybody's very tolerant and they're kind of listening to the kids. They're all having fun and out of tune, and to listen to this kid was like listening to an angel. Hmm. And it was the first time that I ever cried at a music concert and I was looking around to other people and tears were streaming down their face that he was that beautiful and so you're uh, you're a preteen not a teenager yet correct and you're crying at a concert I'm crying at a concert an elementary school music concert and uh, any any recollection of what the song was you know boy that's a great question um it'll probably come to me right um, I mean, I'm picturing something like Ave Maria or... No, it, but was, it wasn't at an that, elementary, it was, it can't um, be. No, it wasn't Ave Maria. Um, it was the wheels on the bus. Wheels on the bus. <laughs> um, no, actually, if I remember correctly, it was uh, Silent Night. Hmm, okay. All right. Silent Night. And it was just... Yeah, I just it was just riveting. Um, wow. Kind of spinning ahead a little bit, so I played a lot of... Uh, to, uh, baseball. I was a pretty decent baseball player, and we had this. We uh, we had a town team, and the town team uh, we had tryouts, and then of course we had a traveling team, which was the A team, and then you had everybody left over was on the B team. I made the traveling team once, and everything else, the rest of my career was on the B team, and uh, it was just because we had a lot of great talent. Let's just put it that way. I had a lot of great talent sure, out there. Sure, sure, and. Uh, my first time that I can honest to goodness remember me praying, like I say, it's somewhat humorous. Um, we were playing. We were playing actually a team that was way above our pay grade. I mean, these guys were just hands down good, and we were just playing out of our gourd. I mean, we, you know, the the, the guys that we had, hardworking kids, but man, did they just there, there was just no gelling, right? This game we did. It was it was it was a beautiful thing to watch, and we got down to you know the proverbial bases loaded, full count. And, and you're it, you're in the outfield or you're batting? No, we're we're batting. Okay, and it's not me. The the kid by the name of Roger. I'll leave his last name up, but Roger and Roger is is uh, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Mm. standing five feet in front of it. He just, uh, you know, E for effort, but he was just, you know, just not, that just wasn't his gifting. Right. And we were all just praying like, Roger, I mean, come on, just, you know, and they were throwing, ball, you know, count was full, and they kept throwing him ball after ball after ball, and I can remember to this day, I said, Lord, we just please let Roger get on base. Or if he's going to hit it, just let him hit it out of the park, one of the two. And then you, you, you've been to a baseball game and you're, you're talking with somebody and you hear that hit and you know that it's a hit, that it's going to go out. That was a hit that Roger had. We were down three runs. He hits a grand slam and we win the game. 
something he's not normally able to do. He's never had a hit like that ever. He didn't have a game, he didn't have anything before. He didn't have anything after. But on that one game, day. just that one day, and I, I, I say that's humorous because that, that's the first recollection I can really remember praying to God, you know, for a baseball game of all things, right? And uh, that that just always that, that that has just always stuck with me. And so you're thinking that you you pray. This is an answer to prayer. This is an answer to prayer. And it was just like I was like, yeah, thank thank you, God, and you know, and and uh, then I just went on with my life, right? So. Um, Kind of spinning ahead, you know. I graduated. I went to a small school. Uh, graduated high school. Went to college. Um, that's that's where I met uh, the love of my life, my first wife, uh, Gwen, mm-hmm. and uh, we had th- we had three kids together. So where did you go to school? So uh, high school or, or college? Or college. college. Uh, UNL here, here in Lincoln. Lincoln. Here okay. in Lincoln. Yeah. And what did you study? Uh, I was studying to be an engineer. Uh, electrical engineer, and uh, quickly found out that I didn't have the uh, mathematical smarts for that. Um, so the first year was a little, uh, my first and only year was a little bit of a waste uh, uh, from an educational standpoint. But I met my wife through college work study. Okay. Uh, so, so, I was, you, so you're at school. Obviously, you needed to work. I needed to work to help, uh, you know, uh, I got a scholarship, but part of that deal was that you worked. You worked it off, but you also got paid. And um, I remember very distinctly missing my very first paycheck uh, because the bookkeeper uh, said, you need to turn in your paperwork by uh, 2 o'clock at noon on, on, uh, on, uh, on Friday. And uh, I didn't get it to her till 4. And she goes, well, you're just going to have to wait till next payday. And I go, oh, yeah, right come around uh, next Tuesday when they're handing out paychecks. I didn't have a paycheck. And I go, excuse me, I think you missed my paycheck. It says, you're the one that handed it in late, yeah? She says, well, you'll learn better next time, won't you? <laughs> I go like, well, that was pretty gutsy. And uh, the, the, the person I was saying this wound up being my, my wife. So She was the one collecting. She the- was the one, yeah, she was the payroll clerk. And uh, so <laughs> I, I made sure that I had my... My uh, my paycheck or my uh, so early my hours on, on time. she made sure that you made appointments to see oh. her regularly. Is that well? Yeah, she made sure that I I got I got my payroll my payroll in on time. We didn't know that we were going to go out. So about well, actually it was about it was the next week. I was working up at uh, in Mead, Nebraska. We were doing uh, center pivot uh, runoff study. So it was a hot July <clears throat> day. I'd been I'd been in six foot pits full of water and mud, and I come in and I. I looked bad, smelled bad, but by golly, I got not, there not early. Not much has changed. Not much has changed, yeah. <laughs> and and I handed her my 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 pay stub, uh, you know, for the hours. And uh, I'm just standing there. And then uh, she looks up at me. You know, you know, it's that kind of that slow look. You know how you're busy on something and somebody's in front of you, and you just kind of look up over your eyes, yeah. over your glasses. And she goes, "Can I help you?" And I go, "Just I understand you're not going out with anybody. Would you like to go out on a date?" And then she just stared at me, and she smiled, and she started to laugh. I go, oh, boy, here comes the rejection. She goes, yeah, I'll go out with you. So so this is the second time you've seen her? This is the, the second third time. time. Yeah, I mean, I, I always handed, you know, the, there was a, uh, like a little cubby hole that we used to put our time cards and stuff in. and uh, uh, this is, But this is actually a second time, no, third time, because uh, first time I, I was late getting it to her. Second time she was handing out the paychecks, paychecks that I missed. Third time was here I am standing, you know, like a, uh, 
a stinking pile of dirt and uh, asking her out on a date. And uh, it was it was ironically it was a, a date for the next night. So. And, so somewhere she caught your eye because you said you knew she wasn't going out with anybody. Yeah, because I, I did a little, I did a little reconnoitering. You know, I talked with the, uh, all right, uh, all the head right. office so, person. So let's and, back up here. What was it that caught your eye? Oh, she's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just plain beautiful. So you yeah. noticed that the first time that you were late? Oh yeah, just like wow. I mean, she's pretty. She's pretty. You know, and uh, I don't know what what possessed me. You know, uh, I didn't see any rings or anything on her finger. Of course, you know she's. We're about we're same, well about the same age. She was actually just a couple of years older than I was, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember asking Doris, the office manager, and saying, "Hey, do you, did she see anybody?" And she goes, "No." And so I kind of formulated the plan, and uh, as it turned out, it the was plan the, to come in all covered. Uh, and, well, and yeah, muck. well that wasn't in the plan. It just happened, <laughs> you know, it was a divine appointment, right? And uh, so. So we started seeing each other, and uh, wait, wait, wait. So she said yes. What so was the date? Yes. You're skipping oh, all the good, the well, juicy details. So Matt. yeah, so we went, uh, we went to the, uh, I went to a movie downtown Lincoln at the, at the then Douglas Theater, okay, uh, which is not there anymore. So not the Starship. You spent real not money. To, yeah, we spent real money. Okay, and uh, yeah, we went, we went out, had a saw movie, and we went to Spaghetti Works. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we had a fantastic time, and and. Uh, I uh, I said, boy, we seem to kind of get along pretty good. And she said, yeah. I said, would you uh, like to go out on another date here in a couple of days? She goes, yep. So we exchanged phone numbers, and we stayed in touch. So we either called each other. Of course, she worked, you know, right. so I would make a point of going up. And eventually we started taking lunch together, and and uh, just it, it was kind of really a whirlwind-type uh, romance. You, so you were pursuing her. Yeah, so that was July 1st of, uh, let's see here, i got to remember, July 1st, 1980. Okay. We got engaged I got uh, uh, on the 16th of September, and then we were married a year later on July 17th of, of uh, 1981. Two and, two and a half months. So two and a half months, you got engaged. Her, and then yeah, you, and then got you yeah. asked her, and she said yes. Yeah. I'm, as a matter of fact, I proposed to her. Uh, well, you know where City Impact is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, back in the day, that used to be Peter Pan Park. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she lived just over on, on 31st Avenue there, 31st Street. There was a little fourplex. Okay. And uh, and so we were coming back. We Actually, we had watched my sister play volleyball. And uh, on the way back, I had stopped off along the right side of the road because I knew that I wanted to ask her to marry me. Uh-huh. You know, I had the ring and everything. And uh, it just didn't feel right. And I got thinking, like, man, if she says no, this is going to be a long ride home. So I think, I think to myself, I won't pull up in front of her place, but I'll stop in Peter Pan Park. So in case she tells me no, she's only got a block and a half to walk. <laughs> and you can drive home. And I can drive home. Right. So, uh, you know, we hadn't talked about marriage or in anything, but we place, were just getting you're ask her in a, but, it, but it felt smart to, to ask her in a public place? Well, I asked her in front of the, the garbage cans at Peter Pan Park. The, actually, it wasn't the garbage cans. It was the dumpster. How, so I, so I how pulled, romantic. Well, you, that's, you know, she had mentioned that. And uh, so I parked, and, I you know, I started stammering and stuttering, and I started sweating profusely. And she looks at me, and I go, well, I, you know, you know, we've been getting along, along really well. Would you, would you think about marrying me? And she just started laughing, <laughs> and I go like, "Oh man, it's going to be the rejection of all rejections." She goes, "Yes." She says, "I was wondering when you were going to ask." Mm. And uh, so, gave her the ring, 
you know, kissing and uh, kissing ensued, and uh, I drove her the, the block and a half. <laughs> you did drive her. You did. I did drive her up to her house. And she, uh, it seems to me she uh, she likes mud and trash. She yeah, she was a very down to earth girl. Right, right. Very you show up muddy and stinky. Yep. Day one, well, to ask her out, and then you, and then when you ask her to marry you, you're next to a smelly dumpster. The smelly dumpster in July. In a hot so July. You, so you uh, know that it had, that you know it a, was. It was yeah. not the best smelling. Okay. She says yes. She, she says yes. And then so uh, that whole year, you know, we, we courted. I mean, we we saw each other every day. Uh, we were both finishing up. Uh, I was At that point, I, was, I started to go to uh, Southeast Community College. I did extremely well there. Uh, she finished up, got her bachelor's of science degree, or excuse me, her bachelor's degree in speech path and audiology. Okay. And uh, we got married July 17th in 1981. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a fairly. Uh, I, I want to when I say this, it was uh, an unremarkable the first couple, first year or so. In other words, it was a good marriage. It's good. Um, we lived out in North Platte, Nebraska. I was working at the Radio Shack. Uh, I, I started started a retail career um, at working at Radio Shack first as an assistant manager, and, I, and then I got out to North Platte where I managed my first store. And uh, of course, uh, we found a house and and we rented and. And uh, we we were doing okay. Um, my f- my first real true I, I say true uh, experience with God came about a year or so into living in the North Platte. We were uh, I was pretty good with hunting and fishing, uh, but working at Radio Shack. And my wife worked at Claire's Boutiques, and uh, she uh, had a day off, a rare day off, the same day as I did, which was a Saturday. And we said, "What are we going to do?" I said, well, "Let's go fishing." Because uh, we needed to put some fish in the, in the freezer, and, we, and then that's really kind of how we lived. You know, the paycheck ran out, and then we had nothing but uh, empty freezer space and fridge space. So uh, we would go frequently fishing to Lake Maloney. We wanted to do something different, so we went up to by the Sutherland Reservoir, and it was a hot day. I mean, it's a hot July day. So uh, life is life at this point has been pretty smooth. It's been pretty smooth. Um, you know, uh, just just like most young married couples, you you have your challenges and stuff here. Right. I, I will preface it to say that I bought my first vehicle by myself without telling my wife. She was really happy. Not so much. Not that, so that, much that's happy. A, that's right. really a whole different podcast right, right there. <laughs> so let's just, let's just say that because of that effort that I did right there, it it shortened up our our uh, or lengthened out our month uh, uh-huh. because the 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 car payment of three hundred fifty dollars at twenty one percent interest. By the way, yeah, uh, you know this is here back in nineteen eighty two. Uh, anyway, so we we go fishing. So we pull up. There's nobody. Uh, around so we we fished what they call uh, in the canal system up there they have inter- interconnecting canals between the, the bodies of water up there so just coming out of Sutherland Reservoir that uh, came down they had a power plant emptied into Sutherland Reservoir and then they had another canal which led into Lake Maloney so I was on the inlet side and uh, so I grabbed my fishing rod come up and over the the edge of the of the berm going down into where the the canal is and i see a guy fishing i thought oh that's kind of interesting didn't see any vehicle or anything so i'm about 50 yards away from the guy i want to be respectful i'm casting out my line and i'm not having much luck about every eighth or ninth cast i might get a little bit of a nibble and occasionally i get a fish but out of the corner of my eye i can see this guy he's pulling a fish what seems like every cast hmm 
And, of course, being naturally curious, I started to kind of make my way down to where I'm about 10, 15 feet away from him. And every cast, he's casting out about 20 feet further than I am, and he's pulling in bass. Hmm. Bass. I mean, and these are like three, four pounders. I mean, these are good-sized fish. Right, right. And uh, so he goes, so you like fishing, huh? And I go, uh, yeah. I said, we're tired just trying to, to catch a few fish for our fridge. And he goes, well... He says, but you can tell by the way I'm dressed. And he, he was dressed in a three-piece suit. A three-piece suit. Fishing. Fishing. No car clothes. No car clothes. No bicycle, no motorcycle. I go, yeah, I noticed. And uh, he goes, well, I've got a couple of stringers. And he reaches down. He pulls up two giant stringers full of fish. Uh-huh. I go like, wow. And he goes, would you like them? And I go, Yeah. And he goes, well, just give me a couple of bucks for the stringers, and we're good. So I give him the money, and he hands me the fish. And at this time, I can hear Gwen coming up. She goes, Matt, where you at? So I turn around and says, hey, dear, look at these fish. This is amazing. Says, this guy just gave us all these fish. And she goes, what guy? I said, what guy? The guy right behind. And I turn around, and he's gone. Hmm. And I didn't hear any splash, so I'm pretty sure he didn't jump into the canal. It's a tall thirty foot boom. It takes, uh, you know, to, it takes a little bit to uh, a berm, not a boom, a berm. It takes a little bit to get up and down it. Not Something enough like, time for him to pack oh, up. Oh no, because it was a matter of fifteen twenty seconds. You know, right. I grabbed it, turned around, telling, "Hey, Gwen, look at this." And then she goes, "Well, how did you get those?" And I said, "The guy behind me," and he is gone. Hmm. And so. You know, I, I climb up on top and, and it says, you know, we need to get these into a cooler. And, of course, we're going like, where did the guy go? What? He says, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. It says, but we need to get these fish taken care of. And as it turned out, there was a little bait shop just down around the corner. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get a couple of foam coolers, put them in there. Obviously, we did not have to go fishing anymore. Went home and uh, got them all prepared. And here's a neat little side story. So... Uh, we ate a lot of fish. We ate fish for breakfast. We ate fish for lunch. We ate fish for supper because we literally did not have anything else anything to else. eat. Um, and that fish never ran. It seemed like it never ran out. Never ran out until we got our next paycheck. And then things just, it just, so God continued to provide. I just, and to me that had, that, that was an angel. I, so I truly, truly believe. Of all the things that came together, first of all, you had a day off that in retail. I've done retail, and, yeah. and, and a Saturday to, is a, is un, un, unheard of. Right, right, because those are the hot days that people are there. You're always in there working. Yeah, was the Radio Shack in the mall? Yeah, the matter of fact, it was called the Mall in in the in North Platte. They really spent a lot of time on their marketing. Uh, we're going to call it the, the Mall. The Mall. The Mall. That was it. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, not like the one here in Lincoln that's changed names a few times. No, no, it's, it's still the Mall. The Mall. Yeah. So. Both getting the same day off, working yep. in retail, and a, and a high day that usually you never give your best employees off those days. Correct. You go fishing, you get all out there, and all of a sudden here's a couple stringers full of fish. God's provision. And it just cost you a couple bucks cash that you probably... Yeah, I didn't have much, but I had a couple of bucks. And as it turned out, uh, the coolers that we needed, I had $9 left. And wouldn't you know, it was $9 exactly for the two coolers that we needed. So I spent all my money that I had. On the fish you, and the coolers. On the fish and the coolers. And it was enough. It was not, not extra. Not extra. but Not I, short, but, but exactly what you needed. Enough. Exactly. Hmm. 
and, and, and it just blows me away to, to, to be thinking about that. Now, there, there's a lot of things that happen. So uh, we wound up moving back uh, to this end of the state. Right. Okay. And uh, wound up in Ashland. So, but at this point in time, did you have a relationship with God? Were you, were you I attending didn't. churches? Was, yeah. was your wife So we it? were going to the Lutheran church. So uh, in order to get married, I had to go to... Uh, um, Kind of like a catechism class, I guess that's what they had, but for for Lutherans, right? You know, so I had to become Lutheran. I was Methodist. Oh no, we can't marry you because you're Methodist. You know, you right, have to right. be Lutheran, right? And so I had to go through all that, and that was that was really kind of interesting. And uh, so we were attending church. Um, so when we were in North Platte, we found a church in North Platte. When we came back to Ashland, um, we 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 went back to the church that we got married in. Uh, the same pastor was still there. So, so I want to go back here. Were you praying for food? Were you no? You weren't like seeking God. No. He, so this is almost an answer to prayer, giving you all this fish. An answer to prayer that was that, never that was prayed. never spoken. Yeah, we we just wanted time so, time together, and we just wanted to fish. I had a high degree of confidence. I was going to get something. We weren't going right. to starve. Right. I was pretty confident of that. Um, so I, for my for my who is God. Yeah. Position. I'm just. I, what I'm hearing is, here's a God who knows what you need. You're not even asking for it, and He goes out of His way, sends an angel, whatever, unexp- yeah. unexplanation, sends something that's unexplainable, and provides for you not just the fish, but the mean the baskets to take it home. Everything, even without you asking. Without asking, you're not pursuing Him. Nope. He. You, but our refrigerator was empty. Right. You were in need. We were in need. And he provided even if you weren't paying attention to him. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That seems like a pretty pretty nice God. That's a really nice God. And yeah. when we got back, um, I uh, uh, wound up getting involved in the hardware business with my right. father-in-law. So you moved back, this is back Mo- to Ashland? Moved back to Ashland, yep. Okay. Uh, I was still working at Radio Shack at the time, and... And then my father-in-law at the time, he announced that he was going to be retiring from the hardware store. And I'm thinking like, oh, man, I've always wanted to own my own business. I love hardware. And so I quit Radio Shack and said, hey, look, let me work for you for a year. And uh, if I like it and it's agreeable with you, I'd like to buy the hardware store. And so he goes, sure, I'll stick around for another year. So he taught me everything that he knew. And, and it turned out I, I've been really blessed to be really good with my hands. My dad was a really great teacher uh, in that. And so I, I had a, a good mechanical mindset. So we did everything from, like, small engine repair to fixing toasters and mixers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just could when people come in with problems, I was, I, I was able to help walk them through and provide them with what they needed. And... Uh, that was a that was just an amazing experience. So we had it for about nine and a half years, and during that time we had four, we had three kids. Uh, my oldest son Evan, uh, he was born with spina bifida. Um, my uh, son Nick, and then my daughter Natalie. Now, when my son Nick was born, that's really kind of my my next God experience. He was born in 1987. So give that to me again. Your oldest was uh, Evan. Evan. Yep. Okay. And then Nick. Nick. And then, and then Natalie. And then Natalie. Yeah. Right. So 1987, 1989, 1991. So Evan's born. Had no clue that there was going to be any issue, any problem. And when he was born, she, he, was, she was, he was born by C-section. He was three weeks late to the party. He was overdue. And uh, so when they 
did the C-section. Everybody's happy. Pulls them out. And uh, they the, call the APGAR scores. You know how they yep. score the baby. Yep. It was eights and nines, right? They were doing everything. And That's then all they, good. And they flipped them over, and then the, there was this gasp. It's just like, <gasps> what? And the room went silent. And all of a sudden, people started talking. I was like, what's going on? And the nurse pulls me aside and says, we have a problem. I went, what's, what's the problem? It says he, he has a, a, this opening on his back. It says, we think he has spina bifida. I've never heard of this. Right. And so I went over and looked at my son. I saw this ugly-looking dark thing on his back, and they were immediately cleaning him up and then, and then putting a patch on them, putting him over. And it says, we need to take him to Children's Hospital. Uh, and I'm going like, wow. I mean, my mind's just swimming. My wife, who's kind of in and out of it, she's starting to cry. And I go like, and it says, what, what's spina bifida? And she goes, it's not good. And so it says, well, they're going to take him to the hospital. And, of course, she can't go. She just had a C-section. Right. And she says, go, go, go. So I, I drive drive there, you know, following the ambulance. And uh, met, met my uh, my first time with the doctor. And um, the, the, the doctor surgeon, the, the neurosurgeon, and uh, he comes. He comes to me and says, "Well, he says we got your son. So he's going to go in to have surgery, close up the the opening on his back, and uh, says we'll see how it goes." So I'm sitting there alone. This is. He was born at 11:59 at night, so this is about two or three in the morning. Right, he and has give his us, first major surgery. Give us a quick overview for the listener that doesn't know what is spina bifida. So spina bifida is what they call a neural tube defect. So very early on, when we're formed, the very first thing that forms is the spine, and when it, it's actually open, and then when it when the spinal cord goes down through, the very first thing that our body does is that it closes it up, or they call it zippering. Well, for whatever reason, in his genetic code, there was a place uh, on his back that that did not happen. So just kind of like having a break in the zipper and then the rest of it. So it was perfect up to that point. There was like two vertebrae. It wasn't. And then it made connections the rest of the way. So the spinal cord is not protected. It's out in the it's open. It's out in the open, right. And so they, they close that up with, with skin and, and stuff. And uh, as it turned out, he had, he had uh, neurological deficits. His legs did not really work. And uh, there was just a whole host of things that were going on. Now, if you can imagine, I'm you know I'm a, I'm a dad. Got my my first child as a boy, right? Right. Right. We, we did know that we we did know that we we're going to have a son. Uh, they did okay. the ultrasounds and stuff. Matter of fact, they went back and looked at the ultrasounds and saw that uh, they couldn't see where the spina bifida was. Right. He he was always kind of positioned away from the from the right. MRI. Um, but anyway, so I you know had the first surgery. Uh, I go back to my wife, and uh, you know we're both crying. It's just like because we don't know. We're 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 just wanting information, right? How, how, what what what's next? And uh, uh, he uh, he had his first surgery. Uh, a week later, he had what's called hydrocephalus. So one of the the, the things with with uh, spina bifida is that the the cerebral spinal fluid does not flow normally. Sure. Okay, so it's like he has this 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 uh, the stoppage, and also part of it's it's, it's called like I say it's called hydrocephalus, and he had had also something called Arnold Chiari malformation, which is basically our brain, right? We got the brain yeah. stem coming up, our yeah. brain. Well, Arnold Chiari is where the hind brain actually sits back upon the brain stem. As you can imagine, if you put a lot of pressure on the brain stem, that can cause a whole host of problems. Sure. And uh, as it turned out, he he had the this defect 
but it wasn't so bad that they had to go in and do surgery there. But they did have to put in what's called a shunt, uh, basically a pressure relief valve because his ventricles weren't operating correctly. It's a bypass, and it's a pressure-type thing. Right. So they drill a hole in your head, put in this bypass little thing, and, and then they run everything underneath your skin, and it empties into your stomach or in, into your abdomen. Well, he had that surgery. A week later, it plugged up. So he had to go back in. So in his first three weeks of life, he had three fairly major surgeries. Wow. So now we get the kid home, right? My wife, up until this point, she actually had And are you praying at this point? Are you starting to reach out to you, God? You like- know, my, my pastor uh, came with us, and we, and we prayed. Um, and what I didn't tell you is after the first surgery, at this time I had called our pastor, and he had come to the, to the hospital. Because now you're in, you're in Ashland. You've taken over the, the father-in-law's taken business. Over, taken over the hardware store. And you're um, starting to go to church? Yeah, we started going to church right away there. I mean, that was, you know, the word got out in the community, uh, you know, that this had, that this had happened. And, and uh, uh, but after after the surgery, the first surgery, my, the the doc, the uh, the pastor pastor, thank you, had had come at this time, and the surgeon goes, well, the surgery went great. It says, but your son might never walk, talk, may require twenty four hours of care. Got any questions? And I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm just like gut punched twice, you know, and then hit with an uppercut. And I'm just like, and then he just turned around and walked away. So he drops this bomb. Clear, concise, I'm gone. Yeah. And when I'm like, and I just lost it. I just, you know, I, was, I, I started bawling and stuff. And uh, so now I go back and tell my wife, you know, about what's happening. And by this time, she, now, the, the, the thing about my, my first wife, Gwen, she, great. She, she, she's cool as a cucumber, calm under pressure. And she immediately started asking her, hey, I need the information. So she had a whole pile of information. She goes, well, yeah, this is, this is kind of bad, says, but we, we can deal with this. And uh, so she got to see, her, got to see him two, almost two weeks after he was born. She didn't even get a hold of him after the birth because went to he the table. Away. Yeah. yeah, and so she was really, you know, uh, it was very emotional. So anyway, so the next day we get to go home, and here we have this child, you know, like like think like most first parents, we're looking like, okay, not only do we have this, our, this is our first child, but it's a special needs child, like all, uh, you know, we have all these doctor's appointments and stuff. Right. And I very remember very distinctly about going across the street, and I, and God and I had it out. I mean, we had it out. What does that mean? I, I, I'm sure the neighbors thought I had lost my mind, and I think I did. So, I would, so there's this open field. It's this corner, kind of this little triangular patch that belonged to the city. Yeah, before, before we get to that particular moment, yeah. talk a little bit more about the moment. So, so you've got all this going on. Your first child, you're experiencing yeah. frustration? I am overwhelmed. With? Overwhelmed with, with everything, it's totally out of my control. I've never had to deal with it, you know. So I, I I look at it as look, all of these things were that you normally think of were taken away. He's not going to play baseball. He's not going to play football. He's not going to be the track star. Any of this stuff. That that's kind of where my mind all the, was. All the okay. So all oh. the pride that you have of here's my first son. Yeah. He's going to be amazing. You're dealing with broken dreams. Um, you're dealing with probably was there a little shame, uh, guilt because it was like what what happened? What's wrong with me? What's what's wrong with us that caused this to happen? Right. And so was there? How were you and Gwen at this time? 
you know, we we really leaned on each other because um, we 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 inherently knew that you know God doesn't make junk. Matter of fact, we told ourselves that says, look, you know, uh, we don't know why we've been handed this, um, but we're going to get through it, right? Right. And um, it was just shortly, like I say, shortly after that, I I, I said, hey, look, God, Gwen, I've, I've got to go outside because I, I just all this anger and stuff was really welling up in me right from the from the the loss of dreams out of control not knowing what's going on yep lots of doctor's appointments where there's not solutions Correct. I, we've got a doctor who just dropped a bomb on you and left you so Correct. there's kind of some abandonment looking around nobody to turn to yeah in, in our and I'll, I'll say that the community and our families were great, but they always kind of thought, like, well, maybe you'll just grow out of it, right? They, I mean, right. they just didn't know. It wasn't, you know, it was blissful ignorance. So so up to this point, you've got a God who's, like, given you an, an amazing win at a baseball game. Yeah. Provided for you in a, in a magical way. Yes. And you've, you're experiencing a lot of God's blessing and goodness. And now all of a sudden, it's like God disappears, and now there's no, like, the goodness is gone. It's it as it turned out when I look back upon it. This was I, this this is the time when the teacher remained silent because mm-hmm. he wanted to see how I would react, how I would if if I would press into him or not. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed is not the right word, but I did not respond well. I <laughs> right. went. I you went, failed. Yeah, I did. I Rocket. Went, yeah, I love failing. I went. I went to the to the corner lot, and I just like okay, God. I says, I can't believe you did you did this to me. I says, Well you uncaring and I explicited I just, you know, it was not good. And it not was just, for children's it, ears. It, it was not for children's ears. Um there's still some parts of the alphabet that they can't use in Ashland. Um <laughs> I, I mean I was it was all out. It was anger like I had never felt. You yelled at God. I yelled at God. I dared him. I dared him. It says if this is how you're going to treat me, just knock me dead right now. Send down a lightning bolt, knock me dead, and just get, just, you know. I said, my son doesn't deserve this. It says, take him now. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. All I saw or I thought was just a lifetime of hospitals, a lifetime of disappointments, and I was not ready to handle that. Right, more than you could. You were at, you were at the stress point. It broke. Stress points point, and I was really at rock bottom. So, so, so you're, you're at this point where you you truly were. You went from a God who loves you and His blessing yeah. to a God who has rejected you, and you're like, fine. If you're going to reject me, just reject the whole thing. Right? The whole just, thing. Yeah. just take me, take my son out. Just be done. Be done with it. And so that seems like two extremes. Oh yeah, I mean I'm not proud of of either one, especially the one about asking God to take my child. Right. You know, um, uh, uh, Evan, if you're listening to this, I I do apologize. <laughs> but but this is where where you were at. God let you get to this point, or led you to this point. Yeah. And in some instances, well, you know, you maybe know that. In some instances, you don't necessarily know whether it was his he he directed you there or he just let you go there, but had provision around it. And I think that's the part we're going to get to in a moment is yeah. God's provision. God's provision. He, 
because of this, he didn't. He didn't doors, strike you dead. Obviously, he did not strike me dead. There was no lightning bolts. It was a clear day, so that truly would have been a miracle, uh, I guess. Right. Um, but the 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 life that we have, that we had and have still to this day, because of that, God opened doors, and we were able to walk through and be around a group of people that we never ever would have come across had it not been for my son with his disability. As I, love, it, I love that point, I wanna, but I, I want to I carry on that, but I want to come back here a second. So you're yelling at God, and what happens? Well, I just, I, and, and finally, I just, just sheer exhaustion. I just collapse to my knees and just start bawling. You hit a point of, so you worked out all of your anger. Yep. Yelled just about anything you could. Uh, well, everything I could. Right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't leave any stone unturned. Probably could have educated a few sailors. They would have left. <laughs> right. And yeah. then all of this anger and angst and worry and anxiety, you've now left on this corner in a field and you collapse. And, and did you say you're, you're crying? Oh, yeah. And actually really laid that all at the cross and I didn't realize it. Everything that I, I, that I said, all the things, all my frustrations and stuff, I put that at the foot of the cross, but I did not know it at that time. And so you've collapsed on the ground, copious lacrimal fluid from the eyes. Oh yeah. And, and what, what happened next? You know, I kind of sat there for a little bit. I got up, came inside did you hear from God? You know, I, I, as I recall, not directly. I went inside, and she, my wife saw, you know, like, what, are you okay? And it says, yeah, it says, God and I had it out. And she kind of laughed. She said, goes, how'd that go? <laughs> and I said, it wasn't pretty. And... uh you know, life uh, w was just a, a, a buzz of, of doctors and hospital visits and people coming in and out of our lives. And, and uh, the, the interesting thing is, like I say, doors open for us uh, that never would have before. We got introduced to an amazing slice of humanity, uh, the, the, the folks that uh, uh, we started. Uh, my son got in, in, involved in some sports camps, some adaptive sports camps. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, he uh, really seemed to do well with basketball. And we heard about this team called the Nebraska Red Dogs. And so we went to a sports camp up in Omaha at Creighton University. And uh, my wife is taking him up there. And after like the second or third day, she comes, she, when she comes back, she says, oh, man, you got you to see. I said, that's amazing. I've never seen you know people in wheelchair play basketball like this. And I'm going like, okay, that sounds interesting. So I go up with her on the on the last day and here he is playing basketball he's in a sports chair he's six years old at the time and um and here's these big guys you know that are showing him how to how to dribble and stuff and i thought well how cool well those two guys uh turned out to be uh two the two very influential young men in my son's life because for the first time see People didn't see the disability. They didn't see him in a chair. They just saw him as an athlete. 
You know, mm-hmm. the chair is the great equalizer when in, in adaptive sports, right? You can be a, a tall, tall guy or you can be a short guy, but the wheelchair is, is the great equalizer. Mm. And I got a lot of story. I could have a lot of stories to tell you about that. But what I will say is that because of this team, the Nebraska Red Dogs, we got a chance to travel the country to play wheelchair athletics, wheelchair basketball at a very high level. And my son did it for 12 years. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. And the things that he learned out there, he learned about teammates, he learned about uh, winning and losing, and what it was to talk to, learned about sacrifice. Um, and and uh, it was interesting because when you get around, uh, you know, kind of like like-minded people, mm-hmm. right, um, Everything seems normal. I mean, it wasn't unusual for us to go to like a regional tournament and there's a hundred kids in wheel, in wheelchairs, right? And you don't think about it. everybody's wheeling around and you're you... talking to the parents and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, how you doing? We talk about the the challenges of having a kid in wheelchairs and. and how do you uh, find? Sorry, how do you find parking with that many kids in that many wheelchairs? Uh, well, you know, handicap parking runs out really quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Know? And uh, I was I was a very vocal sports dad. And we I got, can't imagine. You know, and so as you can imagine, so the uh, in wheelchair basketball, uh, the the rules are pretty much the same as NCAA rules. There's just a couple of changes. Instead of three seconds in the lane, it's four seconds in the lane. For dribbling, you have to dribble it twice, push, and then you have to dribble again. If your hands touch the wheels, it's traveling, right? Uh, and there's and a couple other little minor things. Well, there's only a handful of. Um, referees on part you know that uh, that know the rules and they traveled around so we got to know these guys real well and uh of course once you get to know somebody you know you can razz them and stuff and right and we had we, we, we had a, we had a great time i i'm i'm the very last uh game or tournament that that we played in i actually <laughs> actually got ejected <laughs> not because i said anything i didn't say anything bad but what I did was, and it was the, the game was terrible. The, the, there was a bunch of um, uh, umps who obviously never played wheelchair basketball, and uh, it was it was a game for, that we lost. And as the umpire was a ref was going by, I took my glasses off and I said, "Here, why don't you try these next time?" And the game is over, and he stops. He says, "You're out of here," and I go like, "You can't do that." This says the game's over, and uh, I got ejected. <laughs> so, I love it. but anyway, so the the the, the people that we've been, that we've been able to see, um, we were up at uh, Johnny Rockets up in the Mall of America. My son went to Shriners Hospital uh, up in the Twin Cities up there, and what what an amazing organization, uh, Shriners Hospital. He probably had a million plus uh, dollars worth of surgery done and stuff. But the Mall of America was our go to place after clinic or anything like that. We always made a trip to the mall. Well, there he got a chance to meet Shaquille O'Neal. Hmm. So he he was with I think Kevin James and him were hanging out at Johnny Rockets, and we heard about this. And my son, of course, playing wheelchair basketball. Hey, Dad, can we go see him? I go, Oh yeah, sure. So here's this little kid. He's like nine or ten at the time, and uh, he he's very. My son is very outgoing. Right. So he's we we see this big crowd get off the elevator and he so he's going excuse me pardon me excuse me pardon me he's kind of wheeling his way through and get to the end or like to the edge and there's this open space right everybody's taking pictures and stuff and does my son stop no no he just plows right on through pulls up and he goes hi my name's Evan I play wheelchair basketball Shaq I could beat you. <laughs> 
and Shaq stops. And if you can imagine, you've seen the way he does. What? He goes, I bet you could. And, of course, I'm kind of halfway there. I says, are you dad? And he goes, come on over. And, uh, you know, this is this, this when camera phones just start becoming available. So he'd like to right. take pictures. So we took a couple pictures. And, you know, for 10 minutes, Shaq and I think it was Kevin James and Evan, all they did, they just talked basketball. So Shaq was like, he was curious, like, you know, how do you dribble? How do you shoot? And all that kind of stuff. And it was just like one athlete talking to another and, right. and stuff. And he goes, man, says, I'd like, to, I'd like to keep in touch with you. And so for a couple of years, my, my son, Evan, uh-huh. got emails from Shaq. Awesome. And, and he said, email me after each game. Tell me what went on and stuff. And, and Shaq would give him pointers. and would, It was just a neat, neat thing. And, and like I say, mm. that never, ever would have happened had he not been with Spina Biffin in a wheelchair, right? I mean, it, it was truly a God thing. So, so, so uh, to pause and just reflect here a little bit, we go from broken dreams, immense pressure, anxiety, worry, yeah. Ready to say, just end it to for me. God, end me, end my son, because he because he doesn't deserve this. Correct. And then what what does God do? He he takes him through the surgery, walks you guys through the surgery. Not easy, I'm sure. No. Nope. Um, and gets him involved in something where he starts to recognize how valuable he is. It's not about his body; it's about him as a person. Yes. You start to recognize this. And get to celebrate it, and then a world-renowned superstar athlete befriends him, and they become friends. Yes, that again, we've gone from a deep dark valley to a mountaintop type experience. Exactly. And that's Matt. That's just amazing. I'm in, and then in. Uh... When I first truly, uh, I say truly experienced God, when I gave my life to Christ, I can tell you exactly where it was. Yeah. So it was Labor Day, 1995, uh, at, at an Amway convention. Uh-huh. So we were actually, my wife and I were actually quite successful uh, We, uh, with, with, our, with our Amway business. Uh, the, the, our our uh, sponsor, or they, they call them their diamonds. Uh, here again, another man of faith. The thing that attracted me to him was somebody had, had introduced us to this, and I'd heard about the Amway before, and I said, yeah, I'm right. always open. And, and uh, the thing, when I went to the very first meeting, he says, we're going to pray. And I said, well, this is new. I said, we don't pray at business meetings, right? And uh, he, he prayed, and, and, and really, he just basically gave God the credit and the glory. And, you know, and, and he talked about it, says, look, says, not until I gave my life to Christ. It says, even my mistakes turned out right. You know, and I thought, I, I think I can relate to this guy. And anyway, so it was a couple years later in Aspen, Colorado. They had, they had a, a national gathering for his organization. Right. And... Uh, it was amazing. So we had we had a, a great couple of days, and we had a Sunday service, and uh, it was a really powerful service. And then there was this altar call, and uh, all of a sudden I found myself up at the stage there and accepting Christ, and it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, just the the, the overflow of love, and I could feel I could feel God's spirit coming through me, and. And so Labor Day 1995, and I'd like to say that I did amazing things after that. I really did not. Right. I really did not. But God, you know, that, that was my first real time in which I submitted, right? 
I ask, I ask for forgiveness for all my sins, realizing that I'm a sinner and can't be saved, you know, by myself, and and truly believe that you know He bore all my sins, went to the cross, died, buried, and rose again, defeated death, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He forgives me, in spite of myself. Time and time and time again, I can't. I've lost count. I've lost count. It's thousands of times. It's got to be. You know, and each and every time that I screwed up or that I know that I grieved him, I asked for forgiveness and forgiveness was received. Hmm. And and he didn't strike you dead when you yelled at him. He did not. What a what an amazing like he didn't get angry at you. Instead he blessed you. And he was patient. And all that happened before you'd given your life to him. Yes. Yes. And that it's almost as if he had this journey, like he chose you and wanted you and he pursued you. He had to break me, you know, and I stayed mm. broken for a long time. Right. You know, it's not that we didn't pray. You know, we, you know, we prayed for Evan for his surgeries and stuff like that. But I had, uh, God was somebody that I prayed to, but God wasn't somebody that I communed with that I right. uh, could call a friend. Sure. That's crazy. He was just this kind of this entity until that time and then god became real that's awesome god was was real the whole time he was real the whole time but you weren't ready for him yet no and now you were and so i was 35 at the time wow well matt i i love i love the story i thank you so much for sharing you bet. um we're running out of time for this episode oh there's so much more to talk i know about. i know so we're gonna have i i know other bits of your story and and we yeah. didn't even touch on them this was all new stuff to me yeah. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate, I appreciate yeah. yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, it, it's an amazing God that we serve. I look at the position where I'm at now today, you know, as the stewardship director for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, how much time you got left? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will tell you that, you know, four and a half, almost five years ago, I was not looking to make a change. Mm-hmm. Not looking to make a change. And God knocked on the door I opened it he stepped through and my life has not been the same since isn't that amazing it is that's amazing well thank you Matt for sharing I, thank you Thaddeus. I've got to have to do this again um, and uh, and I look forward to it and thanks a ton thank you thank you you've been listening to the Who Is God podcast I am Thaddeus Funk and I have uh, special thanks to my guest today Matt Anderson my studio engineer, Mr. Wilson, and also for uh, special advisement uh, here today, Kim Beck. You've been listening to the Who is God podcast. Join the discussion on Facebook or Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Tacklebox Studios. Tacklebox Studios is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. This podcast has been made possible by generous support from individuals like you. If you found this meaningful, please let us know. Donations can be mailed to Tackle Box Studios, 285 South 68th Street Place, Suite 320, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68510.